The views, information, or opinions expressed by those interviewed during the Hobbs and Friends podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Hobbs and Friends and its staff. Hobbs and Friends is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series, available for listening on any platform of delivery. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform its listeners about the tabletop gaming industry. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising which is incorporated into or placed in association with or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the express approval and knowledge of the Hobbs and Friends podcast creator is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Hobbs and Friends podcast site assume no liability for any activities in the connection with this podcast or for the use of this podcast in connection with any other website, computer, or playing device. Hey everybody, welcome to Hobbs and Friends. I am your host, as always, Jason Hobbs, and today I have a wonderful repeat guest. I know somebody who blew up all the Twitters and all the social medias when he was on. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but that's what I'm saying. Regardless, he is uh, known as uh, an author and a translator. He has done Return from Dragon Mount, which I know all of you guys have heard about before, <laughs> as well as some writing on Midderlands. And he uh, comes from the lesser gnome <laughs> corner of the industry. <laughs> no other than Edwin Nagy. I looked it up, Edwin. Um, hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for uh, having me on. This is great. My pleasure. You, uh, you know what episode you were on before? I do not. I don't either. I was going to look it up, but I forgot. Did so I? anybody out there who can uh, send me a tweet? What? Is that just no, a guess or do you know that? I'm just making numbers up. All right. I'm going to write that down. I was going to say, okay. if anyone can tweet me that. In the next 24 hours, we'll send you a prize. All right. Anyhow, so Edwin, thank you so much for being on the show. And normally we talk about how we know each other, but um, I'm pretty sure most of the people in episode 27 would have heard of that. Uh, we played some games at quite a few conventions and we met on the pluses I saw you wrote on here. Is that accurate? Um, well, you wrote it, um, I think. Oh, shit, I did. Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, maybe that was from last last ep last interview, not with you, but with Rob. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have. I I was on the. I was on uh, Google Plus, but I've never been a big social media hangout person. So, I, yeah. I think I think we have communicated on that, but it's certainly not yes. how we met. No, no. I think it was at conventions. Like at Gary yeah. Khan was the first one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, when when you taught me exactly why I don't play in games on Sundays at cons. <laughs> <laughs> well, and hopefully at some point I taught you why you don't play in games that I run, apparently. <laughs> no, that's not true because I still, <laughs> I still do that. Uh, uh, which reminds me of the time that we uh, cajoled you into running a game at, uh, <laughs> at game hole con when <laughs> the actual GM didn't show up. Do you remember? Yep. Uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. How did that happen? Oh, <laughs> no kidding. All right. So 
Uh, yeah, let's move past that and let's go right into our weekly gaming briefly. Well, I haven't done a sh episode in over a month, so uh, we might have a lot of stuff, but I'll start with you, Edwin. Go ahead, buddy. All right. Well, just today I played in a game of old school essentials with James Holloway, who's the Monster Man podcaster. Um, and uh, this is a. Uh, I played in a game with him a while ago, and we're just starting up a new adventure with the same characters. And it is a hoot. We are a bunch of complete losers and scoundrels. I have a minus two mod on my constitution, so I think I'm third level with four hit points or maybe three hit points or something. Um, and it's it's been a good game. Uh, I just have to stay out of any sort of fighting. On uh, Monday, which I guess was just yesterday, last night, uh, I started our newest Skype of Cthulhu uh, game. We are playing Horror's Heart which I have to say very carefully. Um, and I am reprising there too a character that I've actually, I think she's now in her third or maybe even her fourth uh, adventure in of Call of Cthulhu, which is pretty amazing. So she's going a little bit bat crazy. And then uh, I have uh, two regular games, a home game where I am playing in Ghosts of Saltmarsh and then an online game. I guess they're both online these days, but... Uh, playing in Storm King's Thunder. Both of those are 5e games that, um, yeah, and I'm just playing and having a good time. What about you? So I have to call Shens on one of those things because didn't you just say that you're reprising a role in Call of Cthulhu? Yeah, it's a character It's a character that is going through multiple, uh, multiple scenarios. You must have had a really shitty GM because I heard that uh, – you know, your character either dies or go insane, insane in every one of those games. Well, you know, sometimes you hear wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm we talking definitely because in the lost... game we played. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, we definitely lost characters in each of the uh, in each of the games that she played in. She's definitely and she is definitely uh, much lower in sanity and uh, more paranoid and nervous about the world than she was uh, at the beginning of the first scenario where she was a bright eyed. Um, she had just come to Arkham to become a professor, but the uh, person who was going to hire her was murdered, I think found dead and things have not gone well for her since then. That is crazy. I was just saying that I've played in a game with you. So I'm well yeah. aware that my character survived and didn't go insane in that game. So there's no reason that it couldn't. Yep. No, I, I think, uh, no, I think that's a bit of an over, I mean, both of those things can be super fun, but I think that there is, uh, there is certainly fun to be had elsewhere in, with Call of Cthulhu. Awesome, man. All right. So what have I been doing? So I haven't ran any Kalmata lately. It seems like every time we were trying to do that on Monday night and I was gassed for the week. So that wasn't, <laughs> wasn't happening. Uh, I just wrapped up an OSE short little jaunt with uh, Zach Pierce that he calls Lands of Orm. And uh, I've been tweeting about that game. So probably most of the listeners know that my character is completely full of crap and thinks all of his plans are fantastic when in fact they are garbage. But somehow through lucky rolls, we have survived. Awesome. Uh, and Zach is not messing around either. That guy where the dice lay. So there's no... Uh, uh, no death saves, no uh, shield sundering 
in and in OSC, that's a pretty deadly game. And it wasn't max hit points, so my fighter had four hit points. And, hey, uh, sur- we got that in common. <laughs> and survived. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the days of Lintium game wrapped up, which is me using uh, Spell Sword Studios Evils of Ilmire for a, I put it into my Emergent Empires, and it was pretty much uh, a TPK. No spoilers, hopefully, but um, they didn't do good in the Grottoes of the Fishmen. And, that OSR game, that's uh, that's the game where every all the characters die, right? Sometimes, sometimes that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard about OSR is that if you play that your character's <laughs> going to die. Like <laughs> well, some people say Call of Cthulhu is OSR. So I don't know. That's true. Uh, that is thing? true. Anyhow, um, that was fun. And I would tell everyone to go check out evils of Ilmire. We had a great fun with that 20 sessions, probably. Um, and Hawk or Sean P. Kelly probably get worst player of the campaign, which wouldn't <laughs> surprise anyone. They're battling for it, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. Uh, I have uh, so we replaced that game, Days of Lincium, with Chronicle of the Cursed Axe, which is a new campaign using low fantasy gaming on Sunday mornings at the crack of dawn. That's a good name. We just had our session zero and session one. Which one? Low Fantasy Gaming or Crackadon or Chronicle of the Cursed Axe? Chronicle, Chronicle of the yeah, Chronicle of the Cursed Axe. I like that. Thank you. I like that one too. There, there was no Cursed Axe in the game yet, but I just really like the name. <laughs> <laughs> Immersion storytelling. If you make the title, eventually they're going to start looking for axes just because of the title. It's, it is going to happen, reg- right? Uh, I yeah. also have my open table, low fantasy, or uh, my open table West Marches game, mid the Midlands, uh, that we're going to play on Saturday. And a lot of people have been joining, uh, the discord to get into that game. So they're coming from the low fantasy gaming discord, joining in with that and, uh, becoming patrons and playing in that game. So, uh, I should also mention, we finished up our call of Cthulhu game with Edwin running, uh, which we lost a few characters, but. Uh, mostly uh, Curtis Takahashi. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, and that was fun. Uh, I, but I learned I learned something valuable during that game. Oh, what's that? That I that I run all of my games the same. Oh, who told you that? Well, it was this guy who does this podcast. <laughs> He's got some friends. He gets together with him now and then. I think it's uh, true. It is kind of true. They feel yeah. similar, but I don't think yeah. that's bad. And I think No, no, no. Uh, it's it's definitely uh yeah, there's definitely a style that lies over the top of the rules and the genre. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean setting or genre, don't system, none of the things right. seem to matter. It's just kind of a a feel on the way you tell stories. So, yep. that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was actually got, interesting to hear. And think about it. I have <laughs> I have Delta Green on Thursdays, uh ran by Sean P. Kelly, actually. Oh, yeah. yep. And uh some other BSers from the the podcast that shall not be named <clears throat> Gaming and BS are in that game. <laughs> We're playing uh, Song of a Silent Room. I don't know what the hell we're playing. It's something that he's running in. The the cool thing about Delta Green is this you don't have to necessarily fall into that trap with most horror games where you have to like metagame like, Oh, 
this sounds scary. There's something in the basement, but we're just going to wander down there anyway. In Delta Green, you're like, hey, I know something's screwed up here. But That's our job. I'm doing it. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, because it's my job or because that particular motivation that I took in character creation that makes me want to go down and do it. So that's actually the one of the nice things about having this character in her third or fourth scenario for Call mm. of Cthulhu is that I no longer have to pretend that there's not weird shit in the world. Because that's for me, that's right. one of the harder things of like, oh, no, really? There's something strange happening. Ah. Whereas now she's like expecting strange <laughs> stuff to happen. And that's that's actually a nice change in role playing. Yeah, I bet. Um I, I like that's one of the things that I liked about the Delta Green game, because it was like I can say, oh, this poltergeist or whatever this entity is, is messing with our minds. Let's put our guns away so we don't kill each other or, but right. we still have to keep going. Still right? We're not going to go. Yeah. We're still going to end up killing each other, but whatever. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, uh, and I'm still playing a lot of second edition AD and D and the dungeon musings YouTube channel. We are playing uh, legacy of the crystal shard. We're We're going through that campaign, which was like, um, uh, like the D and D next play test, which is kind of interesting because I think they kind of reprise some of the stuff in the new, uh, in the new D and D book. Right. Cause that's set Probably. in the 10 towns and in, in that area of the Icewind Dale. Oh yeah. Yep, um, yep. yep. And so I think some of the, I'm trying to stay away from it because I want to play it. And then uh, we're, and then we're playing night below. We're on sessions. Tomorrow will be session 68. I think of that campaign. Uh, yeah, he can run some, well, we were playing it like twice a week, two hours on Wednesday and three, four hours on Friday. So if, if we get enough people, you can, you can play some serious sessions when you're playing it twice a week. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) so, and I also on the dungeon music, we did a bunch of charity games, uh, for his charity, which I've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, and one of them I played was The Expanse, which was pretty fun. Have you ever played that? I have not. I I really, the only, I mean, I love the show, The Expanse, but I was super excited to play a belter so I could do my belta accent. Have you ever seen The Expanse? No, no. All right. All right. Screw you later, Edwin. Right. Yep. Yeah. I have no, I, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know about anything. Don't worry about it. That was my opportunity to do my belta accent on the air and didn't get to do it. Dang it. All right, so let's <laughs> let's let's wrap up this introduction. I got to check and see how long we've been babbling on here. Oh my god, thirteen minutes! All right, so and, Edwin, yeah. everything yes. about you, you uh, you ready for that? I'm totally ready. Go for it, brother. So I have a habit of getting into things a little bit over my head, and one of the things I was thinking about that uh, is related to that is that in college I did a lot of sound engineering to help supplement my income for concerts and so forth. But I am pretty much tone deaf. Oh my goodness. Yep. So how did that work? Doing it by the needles, so to speak. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Oh, nice. I wanted to talk briefly about uh, something I screeded about today. It's kind of serious and it deals with uh, the struggle of depression and one of my old gaming buddies who lost his battle in the struggle with depression and uh, took his own life uh, on September 29th. My man, Kyle Kofoid 
uh, also known as Top Cap Fan, who I used to play a lot of play-by-posts games on Hero Central with. Um, I just wanted to say that I hope you are, um, I hope you're at peace, man. And for everyone else, I want you all to realize how far reaching suicide is. I mean, I'm a guy who knew him for the briefest amount of his 52 years, but it still, it still affects me uh, that far away. So how much would it affect family members, the his surviving children, his wife, his parents, uh, co-workers, you know, farther family, everything is, uh, it's definitely a huge decision. And I would just try and strive to get everyone to just give yourself five more minutes or like my buddy Ray Case used to tell me when I would call him and be all, you know, crazy and, and on the brink of something terrible. And he would just say, go to sleep. And then tomorrow, maybe everything will be okay. And maybe it isn't tomorrow. Maybe it's the next day or the next day, but it will be okay. Um, I believe that. So Kyle, here's to you, buddy. All right, Edwin, I didn't want to get too, I told you it would be sad, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, good, it's, it's important to me. And I really wanted to, uh, let people know that I feel you got to keep life real. That's right. That's right. So stay alive people. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have Edwin here as an expert guys. This is our opportunity to <laughs> talk to an expert about, uh, translating OSR modules, settings, characters, you name it. This guy's done it. He is translating OSR stuff to 5e stuff. So, uh, first of all, why don't you talk about your, uh, Kickstarter and we will go from there. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm super excited because, uh, I was, so Glenn seal, monkey blood studios, uh, monkey blood design and publishing, uh, had me work with him on the Mitterlands as a co-author uh, several years ago. And that was a really great experience. He is a super creative, funny guy and uh, Frog God and Monkey Blood got together because I basically Zach and I said, we really want to do 5e for Mitterlands. And so we uh, got with Glenn and got him to make some new art and some new maps. And I did the 5e conversion on Mitterlands. And that is now on Kickstarter for another two weeks. So until middle October. Uh, so get this thing out there quickly. And uh, it's funded, which is great. Uh, but we have a, several stretch goals that, of course, we're excited for. Uh, it's going So this is a setting guide and bestiary. Uh, that is a green and gritty, grim version of the Midlands of England, uh, where he is from. And it brings together some sort of twisted tentacle horror stuff and some political satire <laughs> and some quirky British humor. And uh, so that was, it was just a real fun project. I don't know. I, when I was working through the editing and the 5e translation, I kept finding myself laughing uh, as, you know, this is stuff I've read. Some of it I even wrote years ago and I don't even remember writing it, but just stuff from years ago that is still, still cracks me up. And then I keep finding new things in the art also because Glenn just does some really nice subtle pieces that you don't notice right away. 
So anyway, yeah, so we are, that is, and the 5e translation for that is done. It's actually that the layout is done. We're, we are in great shape on that book. I'm super excited to see it in my hands, physical copy. So how, uh, how, you said there's more art. He's doing new art for the 5e version. He did. Yep. He added some new art and he colorized, uh, his own art, some of his own art he added color to, and then, then he made some new, uh, new art pieces also. Do we have more mud cow pictures or? So we actually have a mud cow in the book. So the mud cow was mentioned, but it, it was not statted out. So we actually have the mud cow uh, statted out now in uh, in the Midlands. The Midlands 5e book. One of the new things it has is the mud cow. <laughs> I, I know all of you mud cow fans out there are clapping right now. I'll, I'll yeah. do it for you. But uh, <laughs> so so how different is the 5e version of Midlands to uh, the Swords and Wizardry version? So I think in terms of feel and certainly in terms of story, uh, it is as little. There are, I mean, there's a few new things. You know, we added in some uh, subclasses for the cleric. Uh, we added in a treatment for how standard races can be modified in 5e. Uh, so the elves, the dwarves, how they are in the Midlands as opposed to how they are sort of in the in typical uh, Watsi land. And, uh, but it is interesting because there were some things that we were, that I was writing up that the language is, is a little heavier in 5e. Like there's, there's sentences that you sort of have to use in order to get the rules across and they do change the tone of the, of what you're reading, you know? So in Swords and Wizardry, uh, you can write that there's a secret door and you just sort of carry on because Swords and Wizardry has a built-in single mechanic for secret door finding, whereas in mm -hmm. 5e you have to write, there's a secret door, it can be found with a DC 15, you know, a successful DC 15 wisdom perception check. And reading the mechanics in the middle of reading the description or reading the story changes, in my mind, it changes how you feel about what you're reading. And the other thing is that Mitterlands, in, in my mind, is a particularly... I'll just say unbalanced. It's it's wacky. It's kind of gonzo. And <laughs> gonzo is harder to do in 5e a little bit. And in fact, there was one thing that we, I couldn't, I failed. Like one of the few things I've been unable to translate. Uh, Mitterlands has the bestiary and in the bestiary, there's all the creatures and each creature has an NPC version. And then it also has a race class um, option so that you could be a player character that's a, a short horned um, rat dog or whatever. And there would be a sort of a race class that goes with it. So we like playing a dwarf and it has all the features, you know, as you go up in level, these are your hit dice. This is your saving throw, blah, blah, blah. Um, I could not for the life of me figure out how to make that work in 5e without taking up way too many pages and without things just blowing up. Uh, part of it's the fact that 5e obviously separates race and class. So there's that initial hurdle of, well, is it a rat dog or is it whatever we called the class that the rat dog is? And I don't even remember. And then what happens now I have to think about what happens if a dragonborn wants to be the class that the rat dog is, or maybe we're playing it the other way. What happens if the rat dog wants to be a paladin and and I, I couldn't do it. Like I just, I, I talked to Glenn, we talked back and forth a bunch of times and I said, look, 
we're we're gonna we're just gonna ditch this because it I I can't figure out how to make it work in five e without you know making a fifty page book that's simply uh, new classes or new races for the Midlands. Um, hmm. So that's that, that, that lack of shorthand, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That kind of falls into one of the questions I was con uh, considering. Like someone told me this might have been two years ago that they felt like certain uh, industry companies were good at converting to 5e and some aren't. What do you think about that? Are, is there like a right way to convert and a wrong? Wrong way to convert. I feel that I'm you, much better than I used to be. Since um, all the conversions you've I will done say that there now. is a right way for a given publisher. So for example, I do things differently for Frog God than I do for Greg Gillespie. And I do things differently for Greg Gillespie than I do, um, than I would, than I do. So I do other things for Glenn. Uh, I worked with, uh, I've worked with him on some other, other stuff. Um, and because they have a feel that they're going for and the people there that are buying their works are expecting a certain type of product that I feel that my job is to try to do the translation to make to hit that hit that note, whatever it is. So for Frog God, I generally am am doing a fairly um, Watsy esque, for lack of a better word, five uh, E translation. In other words, I'm using the mechanics, I'm using the the SRD language, um, and it, it's a pretty you know it's it looks like five E, it feels like five E. Uh, Greg absolutely does not want that right his his crowd the people buying those adventures in his mind are whatever version they're playing they think of themselves as old school players and he wants this book to still feel and look like a, uh, a zero edition a first edition book and so i i do a different 5e translation and i think it's similar if people think about um you know foreign language translation that you could say is there a right way or a wrong way to convert from french to english and of course the answer is yes there are wrong ways but there are a lot of right ways and i think finding the right one to match the author's goal is really the challenge Yeah. So how, how <laughs> could you go into that deeper? What, what are the differences, I guess, then like, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with barrel maze, but you did caverns of Archaea. I'm not, I have it, but I'm not super familiar with. Well, it. so for well, example, what is, what is in, the uh, difference, I guess. In, do it it's, it's weird to talk about classic five E, but in, in sort of, uh, uh, median, median five E, the, the, the popular five E, um, a kobold is a kobold is a kobold, right? It has this weapon, it has these hit points, whatever it is. Um, Greg did the work in his original version, uh, Labyrinth Lord, I think, um, of right of rolling hit points and rolling weapons and rolling armor for every single damn monster in his mega dungeon. You know, so for the three hundred and eighty six orcs in you know or goblins and whatever it is. They each have a thing rolled up for them. And, you know, that you're not going to make stat blocks, obviously, for that many creatures. So one of the tricks was trying to come up with how can I represent the 
what he's trying to do, which is make the all of those creatures feel different, you know, that sometimes they have daggers and spears and sometimes they have tennis rackets and sometimes they have uh, magic armor. How can I easily get that into his, um, into 5e? And he also, I think, thinks it's important to have a very compact, information-dense presentation of the material. And so he, which 5e is not, uh, 5e, uh, like, so Pathfinder is a pretty dense presentation. There's a lot of uh, abbreviations, a lot of shortcuts. Uh, but 5e in, again, in the sort of medium, median 5e language, everything is spelled out. They use full sentences. There's not a lot of parenthetical notes. There's not a lot of, um, yeah, there's not a lot of shorthand. It's, it's designed to be read as opposed to computed or translated or whatever. And it takes up more space. It takes up more, um, mental space in some ways. And I think that so, so I, I didn't do that. You know, I, I compressed things. I came up with ways to communicate the 5e information in a compressed format that felt to me like what he seemed to be doing with the Labyrinth Lord format. Um, which is good, because otherwise the book would be twice as long. Yeah, no kidding. And that's awesome. Uh, shout out to old Professor Gillespie. Absolutely. We, we love that guy. Um, so I I heard through the grapevine that they felt like early Frog God game conversions to 5e were kind of, uh, I don't know, phoned in. Would you consider uh, this one phoned in or would you say, hell no? I mean, this has the monkey blood seal of approval. Um, yeah, I don't phone things in. Um, I mean, I think one of the things you're going to ask me later, so I'm going to tell you now, that one of the things I am trying to uh, – <laughs> push for is quality um, is and not I'm not not saying there is a right answer but that whatever whatever we put down I want it to be I want there to be a reason that that's what we put down that we thought about this and this is why we're where we're at um, so I, I think there's a couple of things about early 5e material from Frog God and probably from other publishers uh, one of them is legal and that is that Remember, the SRD actually was came out quite a while after the fact. And so we didn't know – I wasn't part of Frog Guide yet, but we didn't know what we could do. And so we were we were doing things – we yeah. intentionally <laughs> were not modeling stuff after what Watsi was doing because, you know, we didn't know if the whole 5e thing was going to get – the plug was going to get pulled and, you know, they were going to go after anyone who put any 5e product out. We had no idea. Um but the other piece is that we also didn't know 5e that well. I mean, it takes a while to really learn a system, and I'm, I'm still learning. And I do look, look at some of the older stuff I did. And I, even though I wouldn't say I phoned it in then uh, because I was trying hard, but I definitely screwed up. I mean, I've, I've learned a lot of things from a lot of good people about yeah. how the system works, what's going on under the hood. Um, and, yeah, and, and, of course, as you know, there are a lot of gamers that – spend an awful lot of their brain power digging deep into whatever their favorite system is or their favorite setting. And there's, I mean, there's people that know the frog yeah. God setting way better than the authors. Um, and, and, and the same. <laughs> that doesn't surprise yeah. me. I know oh, a lot of those too. authors. Yeah. yeah. I was really talking about the fans, but, but we could talk about the authors too. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I, 
phoned in may not even be accurate. And it could have been some stuff that people were putting on uh, DMs Guild that came from like someone, Joe Blow or <clears throat> Jay Murphy, helping to do a conversion for uh, A1 or something, you know, Slave Pits of the Undercity. I don't even remember. So no offense to any Frog God game, guys. No, no. And I, I think, I mean, we, we look at some of our stuff and, it, some of, and there's some crap that we have done. I mean, it always happens. I mean, yeah. Some of our early 5e stuff is rough. So that is good to know. So all you 5e players out there listening, go check it out. So I got one more question about this before we move on. All right. So uh, this is actually kind of maybe a critique on the Midderlands, but I've heard people say that they love it and they love the feel of it. They love the uh, aesthetic of it, but they don't know how to run it because it doesn't necessarily have the adventures like Lesser Gnome had or like other settings have that kind of give you some examples and what to go with. Uh, so a two-part question, how would you use 5e or would you use um, Swords and Wizardry or, and what are, are you going to write adventures for Midderlands in 5e or how would you So the Midderlands book has an adventure in it and that adventure has been translated into 5e. So the, the book will have a, a, uh, an adventure in it. Um, I have run that adventure in Swords and Wizardry and in 5e. Uh, Glenn has produced uh, the Chewer of Fingers, and I recently uh, and he just that one kickstarted. I think the Kickstarter finished a month ago. I'm actually expecting a copy of it relatively soon. I think uh, we, I also ran a playtest of the Bats of Saint Abbans, uh, and both of those uh, Saint Abbans is not available yet. Chewer of Fingers mm. will be available on uh, Monkey Blood's uh, site. Uh, he also produces Mitterzine, which has. Uh, I think he's on verse volume five or six, maybe, which has sort of swords and wizardry, mm -hmm. uh, has some little adventure lits and some, you know, creatures and some magic items, you know, the usual thing that a old school zine has. Um, so there are adventures out there. Um, and the, the Midderlands book though is, is intentionally, as Glenn says, a book of gaming juice. It is a book of, it has a lot of hooks. It has a lot of ideas. It has a lot of people and places. It's a place to put, I think, your kind of campaign, an emergent story campaign where you put the people down and you uh, start making stuff happen. When I was running the playtest of the Bats of St. Abbans, um, I was running with a crew and we knew we were just doing a play test. We had a limited amount of time, you know, I, I don't remember five or six sessions or something like that. Um, but it was really frustrating because there were so many things that the party discovered during that adventure, which got my brain spinning and got their brain spinning and where they're asking questions. And had that been the start of a campaign, we would have been writing, you know, I would have started writing stuff to sort of move us forward, but there was all the, uh, you know, all these stories to be that kept cropping up that I was really excited to, you know, to start writing for that campaign, not necessarily writing to publish. Um, so I think that's really the goal of this is to have the one starter adventure. And even that starter adventure that's in the Midlands has two or three pretty solid threads that you could pull on. And that I think a lot of parties would pull on where they're sort of saying, huh, that was a weird thing that happened while we were doing this other thing. I'd be interested in figuring that out. Or these were some people we pissed off while we were solving this other problem. I bet they're going to come after us or we're going to go after them. And so I think it really is more of a, 
an improv or a uh, yeah, sort of an improv style setting. It's a setting guide. Yeah, I'm, yes, it's a setting guide. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a yep. it's a book full of juice, like he would say. And uh, yeah, uh, that's awesome. And I really appreciate your answer. All right, so I think we are getting close to the end of our forty minutes already. So I hope you got in everything that you wanted to. But uh, one last question, a new segment of the show. You choose uh, legacy in the old school or epitaph in the old school. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for uh, a legacy of quality. That's what I'm doing. Nice. I thought about an epitaph about semicolons versus colons, but I just I just didn't want to go there. Uh, especially with cancer and everything. It just, just confuses. It just... It just confuses everything. Exactly. Exactly. It just didn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to put you down for that. Uh, and, and I mean, you pretty much went into it, but you're almost really, you're really talking about these uh, translations, which I like that term better than uh, conversion. Mm. But um, what, like, are you planning on writing anything of your own content? Other, or are, are you just a translator now? Um, so I will, uh, I do have actually some things that I'm working on. I have a, an adventure. I think, you, did you play in Dwarven Fiasco? I think that's the one that I play tested that we were talking about earlier at, uh, at it's, it's, GaryCon on a Sunday. Yeah, that, that goes up. It's in a cliff and it's a bunch of dwarves. So that, that, that one yes. is, uh, I'm working on finishing that up for publication. Um, there's also, and there's a, follow on to that that takes place in the same area of the whisper and venom world uh that i have the outline for and that i've actually run uh but i haven't written um so there there is definitely some some authory stuff that i'm working on but i'm pretty slow on that uh, because i'm doing so much uh editing project management and 5e stuff what i've actually really enjoyed recently is i've had the chance to work with some authors on developing new adventures. Mm. Uh, and that's been super fun to be the, the editor, not the like proofreading editor, but the editor who's talking about story and about how is it gameable, you know, making sure that the scenario is something that a GM can pick up and use and that somebody can enjoy reading and that the players will enjoy playing, talking about it from a, a, a game standpoint uh, and also a story, you know, story continuity. And that's been super fun too. How much do you get paid for that? Um, depends how well it sells. Uh, you know, asking for a friend. Uh, de depends how well it sells. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to contact you about some stuff that I need to get off off of uh, my computer and published. So, okay. Yeah. That would be fun. There are also some, also some great editors uh, like um, – the people that uh, did a lot of mother uh, mothership stuff. I'm really, they, they, they do editing like you're talking about, not just proofreading. Like some people say is editing, but like editing for content, game ability, uh, connection, story, all that stuff. Like uh, my buddy, Jared and um, uh, the discourse lady from Twitter, who I can't think of what their name is right now, but anyhow, that's, I, I really like to hear you say that. All right. So thank you so much. Like I said, we're getting close. So, I want to do some appreciation to the fans and patrons of Hobbs and Friends. I always give three shout outs and usually I roll them randomly. But uh, I mean, I've had a lot of people recently 
wanting to support the show and jumping out on that. And I really want to thank them for that. That includes uh, Mike Hess. So you're familiar with him from our uh, Call of Cthulhu game. Heard of, heard of him. So thank you. Thank you, Mike, for being a patron. Uh, Ron Blessing uh, recently joined another podcaster. I don't know if you guys know him. He's a Savage Worlds guy and wanted to play some low fantasy gaming. And so we're going to get him into some games. And then Mark Grehan. Uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. He won the big uh, Beetle and Grimm Eberron box set from the the Dungeon Musings uh, raffle that uh, I ran a game for and was part of in a lot of the sessions. Oh, nice. So thank, congratulations to Mark. And hey, thanks for sharing the wealth and supporting Hobbs and Friends. Uh, I really feel like the patron supports all the stuff that I do. It's helped support the dis- the all the games that I run. Uh, the Discord, this Twitch, uh, the pod, all the podcasts that I do, uh, pretty much most of the support comes through uh, the Patreon, and uh, I really appreciate all those guys. So, thank you so much. I do know that Edwin Nagy uh, is a uh, <laughs> is a patron of Gaming and BS, but I don't think he is a Hobbs and Friends. I I don't know why. I I can't figure it out. But if if it makes you feel better, I'm I'm not actually currently a patron of uh, of Gaming and BS either. In your eye, cool Dirk. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, I move my uh, I move my Patreon dollars around from podcast to podcast as uh, as oh, the whim nice. uh, occurs. I can't blame you for that, and I hope you know I'm just messing with you. I totally I understand do. how people <laughs> how it changes. Like you, you feel like supporting someone, and then you want to support someone else, but you got to just think about what you're doing financially, especially in these trying times. So, like I say, I super appreciate everyone. If anyone wants to become a patron of Hobbs and Friends, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash osrn Hobbs. It's right on the hat, brothers. All right, uh, and also. The music uh, for Random Screed and Hobbs and Friends almost solely comes from TJ Drennan. Check out his patron if you're doing a podcast and want some bumpers or music or anything like that, because he is fantastic. You got something you want to pimp there, Edwin? You look like you want to say something. No, I'm just waiting for the exciting music. Oh, at the end? We'll play it at the end. Okay. The whole Kalmata miss. You you probably can't hear it because it goes through the Twitch and then it gets uh, saved somewhere (laughs) else. Yeah. All right, so uh, if someone wanted to contact you, Edwin, about your greenish hue, uh, how would they contact you? Uh, it's a mighty good question, I guess, by email, because <laughs> I'm old-fashioned like that. Uh, dot com. Nice. Check that out, guys. Uh, yeah. You can find me at hnfhobbs at hobbsandfriends.com. Uh, I'm on the Twitters at OSR and Hobbs, or my personal account is at Hobbs. Indeed. Those two things kind of flush back and forth. Anyway, we got a Hobbs and friends uh, page on the Facebook and um, check me out at the gamerhood discord. I'd really like to build that community. So if you only get one thing from this episode, go get on discord, go find the gamerhood and check it out. And hey, uh, you can find me there. I'm in the gamerhood. Yes, he's in the gamerhood. Uh, other than that, I think we should mic drop this thing. Any last words, Edwin? I got none. Take it away. All right, boys. It's better to burn out than to fade away. It's a beautiful day in the gamerhood. A beautiful day for my gamers. Would 
Goodness gracious. And we'll edit this out. Rich will edit it out. All right. Uh, 